live streaming is on. Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to the One Bitcoin Show. Today is May the 4th. May the fourth be with you. <laughs> 2020, strong hand, long-term thinking. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. Unconfiscatable, having hype, in motion. Compete, don't complain. I'm offended by selling. One day closer to an all-time high. Hello, my elite friends. Check out Friday's This Week in Bitcoin show. Tone Bays is on, Thomas is on. Yesterday's One Bitcoin show, link to below, of course. Saturday's Beyond Bitcoin show. Always check out the archives, please. And I have it set up now. There's a link below. It says, watch eight This Week in Bitcoin shows here. Uh, eight recent This Week in Bitcoin shows all at one link. It's linked to below. People love the This Week in Bitcoin show. You used to be able to go to techbalt.com to see all the old ones. Well, now you can go to the link below to see eight recent ones. Hopefully one day we'll get all the old ones back up there. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I've got conviction. I'm going to keep on doing this show every single day, no matter what YouTube or anyone throws in my direction. And hey, we only have a thousand blocks. It's a week away. The having the countdown clock is at Bitcoin. What's it at? Bitcoin blockhalf.com. That's linked to below. Bitcoin's market cap went from zero dollars to $162 billion in 11 years with no backing from governments, no backing from universities, no backing from traditional banking system. That's from Dan Held. Good point, baby. Bitcoin doesn't need any of that. All right. Now, Vortex, he sent this baby out. And this is a great reminder. And I, I have stories like this. If you own Bitcoin, eventually everyone will call you a genius. So I bought Bitcoin 2013, 14, 15, 16. And I was, I was telling people about it during that period, friends of mine from high school. And uh, at some point after that, I think it was 2017, I was talking to one of my friends on the phone. He, he lives up in uh, New England, let's say. And uh, he was saying, well, oh, you're, you're one of those guys, the geniuses that got into it early that I've heard about. And, uh, so that, that's the thing. You got to remember time, guys, long-term thinking. Enough time goes by, people will be calling you a genius also that you got in early. It, it is so weird to, on a certain level, it's very strange to me. Uh, there are articles now about how Bitcoin was in the early days. Well, listen to this podcast about people talking about before the 2016 halving. And for me, I, I was there before the 2016 halving. And I thought I was new. I was like, well, I've, I've been in this since 2013. I'm, I'm new. I haven't gone through a halving yet. And now we're considered geniuses, old veterans, wealthy. <laughs> Perhaps they're all true. Pound that like button. Uh, but you too. It just takes time, dudes. It just takes a time and a strong hand. So... 2024, uh, maybe you'll be the genius. Maybe you'll be the uh, millionaire also. Who, who knows? 2028, give it, give it some time, people. Give it some time. So, But, but also uh, what Vortex retweeted, and, and we'll notice this, uh, when Bitcoin does well, traditional people like to speak up and say, oh, I've ha I have it already. 
you know, so everyone can say, oh, you're a genius. Oh, you're so, but uh, of course, they're not talking about it when it's doing bad. You know, through all the bumps and bruises and the roller coaster, they're silent. But then when the going gets uh, nice, they're talking about it. You know, right here, you get it every day of the darn year. If it's bad, it's good. I'm going to, I'm proud and loud saying it. I'm in Bitcoin. But here we go. If you own, okay, uh, after Bitcoin price moves in previous years, some pretty well known institutional managers went public and said they owned it. Don't be surprised to see this happen again soon. Could be an interesting name or two this time around. Well, I'm not going to put them on a pedestal, especially since they can't speak up uh, that they own it until it's uh, post having and things are going to the moon. But hey, everyone will be writing articles about them and, and, and putting them on a pedestal. So here's a dude that uh, we well, shouldn't put him on a pedestal, but he's in it through thick and thin. Zach Vol. He says, using Bitcoin to shield yourself from currency devaluation is excellent in theory, but very difficult in practice, especially after the fact. You need cash to get Bitcoin. Okay, I agree with part two there. Uh, after your... Uh, your currency has a major devaluation and you can't get your uh, cash out of the bank. And if you get your cash out of the bank, it's not worth very much. Uh, it's going to be hard to get Bitcoin. But I got to say, you got to be in the mindset of, I've got a lot of fiat. It's already being devalued right now. Okay. I need a shield against the current devaluation. That shield is Bitcoin. Okay. And there's a lot of people that don't realize it until uh, everyone's running to the banks trying to get their money out uh, and they can't get their money out and it's worthless. So you just got to get in the mindset right now. In any fiat, even in the dollar, it's devaluing. So shield yourself from that devaluation. And, and let's get away from North America here. South Africa, I'm speaking to you dudes, okay? The RAND, you know it's going to go to, you know what, eventually. And it's, all, and it's already been devalued. Many times, uh, it was worth a lot more the first time I was there in 2015 than it was. It was not worth as much in uh, 2018. The second time I was there, and was it just, was that what I was there? Yeah, 2018, and then now 2020. See, it's worth even less. So protect yourselves. Use the shield. You don't want to be. <laughs> you don't want to be the guy uh, that that's uh, uh, unable to get it out of the bank and when it's totally worthless, no matter what country you're in. So I, I agree with Zach Bell on one point, but not the entire thing. Okay. Uh, and let me check over at the, because we've got some other cryptocurrencies to bring up today. UK Bitcoin master says I'm total conviction with you pound. All right, dude. Good to see you guys in the chat. Yes, it is. It is very late at night here. Very late night. So I appreciate it <laughs> that you Europeans are, uh, it's in the morning are, are with me here, keeping me company uh, on the show. But hey, you can always watch it taped, of course, which most of you are doing uh, right now. Back to the value your wealth in Bitcoin, says uh, Don, Don Quixote uh, da Flamingo. Is that do Flamingo? All right. I, I couldn't see the whole name there. I had a glare. Moving on in the rest of the tale of the day. Uh, okay, Zach, we talked about. Okay, and re related to what Zach said, uh, refinancing risk over $20 trillion in global bonds and loans come due through the end of 2020. $4.3 trillion of that in emerging markets. Uh, emerging markets will need to refinance $730 billion in financial uh, exchange debt through the end of 2020. 
How are they gonna, and that's from Tour de Meester. How are they gonna do it? They're gonna, they're gonna print money, obviously. So yeah, shield yourself now, shield yourself now, right? The writing's on the wall, it's already being devalued. You should know that if you're watching this show. Ethereum 2.0 is exceptionally complicated. <laughs> that's the uh, conclusion from the BitMEX report on Ethereum 2.0. And I must, I must agree with them, okay? It's, they say it seems reasonably likely that something will go wrong and that there will be significant further delays. It's really complex. There's a lot of buzzwords. Um, I will say this. If catastrophe is avoided, and there's, there's a big chance that there'll be some sort because it is complicated, it will go up in value because people love those buzzwords. They love the complexity. So there might be more delays, but if they can avoid uh, – you know, total meltdown and the, the, just everything stopping and uh, horrible chain splits. Who knows? Some sort of catastrophe. They're in for they're in for a good uh, payoff, but there is a lot of risk here, uh, and it could take years if they totally pull it off. If they totally pull pull it off after years, I mean, it's it's going to go up in value. It definitely is because they are attempting the most complicated uh, undertaking on a major cryptocurrency ever. I mean, it is, I mean, read it, 64 shards. I mean, all this nonsense. It doesn't even seem like it needs to be this complex. But so there's going to be, right now there's Ethereum 1.0. They're going to create another chain called Ethereum 2.0. They're going to exist at the same time. You're going to move, you could be able to move your Ethereum off of the 1.0 chain onto the 2.0 chain, which will be a proof of state chain. But you won't be able to move your Ethereum uh, from the Ethereum 2.0 chain to the Ethereum 1.0 chain. Eventually, they're going to be able to combine the two and there'll only be one chain. But this is the thing. Ethereum 1.0 will exist the same time Ethereum 2.0 exists. Thus, they will both be producing Ethereum. Thus, that's some un unexpected inflation there, okay? Uh, they will Eventually, they'll be combined, so there'll only be one chain producing one Ethereum. Uh, but now there's two chains, or they're go very soon, they're going to be two chains producing one Ethereum, but obviously at, at double the rate that previously was being produced. So still, people don't seem to care much about inflation in the altcoin space, just the buzzwords and marketing. And if there's no major catastrophe, they'll probably, it'll probably start pumping right away. If it, if it you know... And people are like, oh, there are two different Ethereums. Well, there's one different Ethereum on two different chains. Oh, how quaint, how great, how awesome, how novel. I guess it wouldn't be quaint then. But all right. So we shall see how that happen that goes. Uh, definitely centralized. You have to be somewhat centralized to be able to pull off the most complicated uh, maneuver in the history of cryptocurrency. So good luck to them. Over in Ripple land, more uh, people are suing Ripple. I don't give a darn, okay? I just had this to say about the lawsuits, all right? Ripple shouldn't be suing people, and other people shouldn't be suing Ripple, okay? Just be productive. It is such a waste of time creating this uh, bu bureaucratic nightmare of, of law lawsuits and whatnot. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's not productive. I mean, I don't care if Ripple is a security. You don't have to sue them, to, like shame them into giving you money because they – they sold it. Everyone knows what you're getting into with the thing, okay? It's centralized. There's hundreds of billions of them or something. I don't know how many there are. There's an incredible amount of them. At the same time, Ripple, yeah, people are going to say bad things about you on YouTube. You don't have to sue YouTube. I don't like YouTube that much. 
but it's a waste of your time. You're just doing it for marketing purposes. I am not a fan of lawsuits at all. I think they're just, uh, I mean, there's, there's a time and a place, but the frivolous ones definitely seem to be uh, like 95% of them out there. So come on, compete, don't complain, dudes. And I think you can, you can be a hater of Ripple. You don't have to cheer on in insane lawsuits of Ripple. Oh, let me bring down Ripple with a lawsuit. That'll make me, if you know Bitcoin's the best, you don't need Ripple to be sued, okay? You, you really don't. Uh, okay, this is a great article from Nick V. Prince. Where are the institutional investors in crypto? Demystifying the ever-elusive wall of capital. Okay, so I, I really love this article. I, you got to read it. Do your homework, people. Remember, part of watching this video is actually reading the articles. And we've been saying for years that the institutional uh, investors are going to come into Bitcoin and buy up a bunch of it. And don't hold your breath. Uh, definitely, th this article concludes. It takes a while. These are old school type of institutions. They need to be very comfortable. Like they're trustees that control these uh, organizations. And the trustees face headline risk in their decisions. Okay. So if they make a mistake and they bought Bitcoin and then things go sour, they don't want their names in the headlines. Okay. They want to avoid that type of thing at all costs. So they're very conservative. And they don't have time. These are older dudes. They've been in finance for a while. They don't have time to learn uh, the ins and out of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And this is normal for, for uh, a new financial mechanism being incorporated into tr traditional uh, groups like institutional investors, okay? It takes time for them to learn and feel comfortable incorporating something so brand new like Bitcoin. And it, it's not often that a new financial mechanism like Bitcoin comes along. So this is new. This is, this is normal for these guys to take their time. There is a learning curve. And it's all, Bitcoin, in terms of market cap also, compared to the money some of these institutions can control, it's not very much. So that they, the numbers alone, the market cap of Bitcoin, it doesn't intrigue some of the guys that they need to see really tremendous numbers uh, to be interested. So there's all sorts of reasons in logical reasons based on an old school mentality in this article. But you should be familiar with this old school mentality and it will show you uh, why some of the players have little incentive for even mild risk, okay? That's another thing. All pension fund investment programs are governed by an investment policy statement. Okay, a potential Bitcoin allocation is complicated by the fact that this requires an, um, an amendment to the investment policy statement, which might only be revised every few years. Uh, after all, it's not every day that a new investable asset class becomes available. So, I mean, it, it's a simple, something as simple as that bureaucracy right there. They have an investment policy statement. It currently, it does not mention Bitcoin. They will have to change that statement in order to play around with Bitcoin. And it's just something they don't do very often. And they still have questions about custodial questions about Bitcoin. How will we hold it? Here's another quote. Pension funds operate in one of these 30 mile per hour zones. 
So what feels like slow motion to the fast-paced crypto traveler is actually just speed. There is actually just the speed they're used to. Um, it's all relative. Appreciate, appreciate this reality and continue to build, disrupt, and educate. So we see what they're doing as very, very slow. They see what they're doing as the, the normal speed. That's normal to them. So it, it was a great article if, if you're wondering. And it just gives me that confidence that, yeah, they're coming. They're coming. It just takes them a long time to adapt and feel comfortable about the situation. And maybe at one point we thought it would be in 2021 or something. Maybe it's not going to be until 2023 or 2024. Who knows? It'll happen eventually. That's why you have to be a long-term thinker. Okay, there is a Twitter feed out there. It's called Bitcoin Stimulus. It's linked to below. And it all, all they tweet out is your $1,200 stimulus check is now worth, and uh, right now it's, I think, worth $1,550 or something like that. I don't know. If It says tracking what the U.S. government's $1,200 stimulus check would now be worth if used to buy Bitcoin on April the 15th, 2020. So hopefully, even if you didn't get your check then, you spent $1,200 on Bitcoin then, and you can you can continue to check out this Twitter feed and be so happy that uh, you spent that fiat-free cash on whatever amount of Bitcoin it bought you at that time. Uh, what was it? 0 0.2 to 0 0.175 of a Bitcoin? I don't, I don't know what it was. I don't know the exact uh, <laughs> what, what, what it was at that time. But now, it's for you fiat freaks, that amount of Bitcoin you bought with your stimulus check is now worth oh, quite a bit more there. So that's good. So Kraken, I've been told by a, uh, a guy sent me a DM. Uh, they actually wrote an article a while ago. Uh, Kraken releases the having trends implications of Bitcoin inflation mechanism. Just an article that pumped up the, the, the having, that was hyping the having. It's 12-page document. It was actually from February. But now they're sending it, they're emailing it out apparently to all their customers trying to hype that having. Good job, Kraken. I'm glad. I'm glad you're doing that. If, if people are trading there on Kraken or they traded in Kraken in the past, hopefully you've learned your lesson. I'm offended by selling. Uh, now Kraken is uh, explaining to you and getting you excited about this having. So you buy more Bitcoin, baby. All right. So Kraken, thank you for adding to the having hype. Yesterday, in the original title of this video, uh, I, I mentioned the Litecoin Foundation and CRED, and I forgot to talk about it. So now I'm going to talk about this. I got an email from the, from the Litecoin Foundation, and they send you to a site, a CRED site. That is, it's a Litecoin branded CRED site. And I link to it below. It says, earn monthly interest in crypto asset or stable coins of your choice. Pledge Bitcoin or Ethereum, earn interest in XRP or US dollar coin or Litecoin or whatever, or more. All right. So the people at, and I've mentioned Litecoin has some partnership or the Litecoin Foundation has some partnership with CRED. And CRED is a place that you give your cryptocurrencies to and they apparently give you interest. You know, I don't like that. You know, I like controlling your own private key and valuing your wealth in Bitcoin and not getting, not getting bored and doing something for the sake of doing something. But I think Litecoin Foundation knows that some people, when they're holding Litecoin, they're not valuing their wealth in Litecoin. And they can get bored when they see the price of Bitcoin going up and Litecoin's price going down in terms of Bitcoin. So they give them this option here. They encourage them to, uh, 
to check out cred and and uh, do you know keep it in Litecoin. You're, you're keeping it in Litecoin, so the Litecoin Foundation is happy. You're giving your Litecoin to cred, and then they're going to give you more Litecoin interest on it. So I think they understand that Litecoiners, like altcoiners, get bored. They need to do something. Uh, they see Bitcoin doing well. They need some gimmicks. So there's one for you guys. Litecoin Foundation saying uh, try out cred. Adam Meister saying heck no. What you should be doing if you're bored with your freaking Litecoin and you're tired of it going down in terms of Bitcoin, just turn it into Bitcoin. There you go. You did something with your Litecoin. You turn it into Bitcoin. You turn it into something real. You don't have to worry about Bitcoin beating your Litecoin anymore. There you go. Pound that like button. All right, two Beyond Bitcoin uh, things right here to conclude the show. New York City cops in this Fox article uh, are pretty frustrated that they're being told to uh, police social distancing and then the New York City is letting criminals out at the same time. They Cops, cops are rebelling. That's good. Good job, cops. Don't enforce this ridiculous uh, – it, it's uh, bootlicking, all right? It's trying to arrest people because they're hanging out in the park. Uh, they're too they're sitting too close to one another. It's insane. Well, there's there's other things that cops should be worrying about in freaking New York City. Okay, there's criminals. They don't, they don't take a break. Okay, they don't social distance. Uh, they 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 go about their but they don't stop their business. Okay, when uh, when the government tells them, oh, you, you got to be inside your house. No, criminals don't care about that, especially the ones that you're letting out of jail <laughs> because you don't want them catching the virus in jail. So you you let them out of jail so they can commit crimes. And trust me, those criminals, uh, they can identify uh, a victim really easily, especially these days. It's, it's the people with the mask on. The people who are compliant uh, will will definitely do what, as they say. when they, when they It's really unfortunate, but I'm glad the cops are rebelling. Okay, so today during my run, I'm running through the alley on the other side of La Brea, La Brea down by uh, Beverly Boulevard, uh, where there's some synagogues. And I, I often see religious people in the alley in their cars and everything. And these guys are, are driving by me, and they're, they're like, you're beating me. You're beating me. You're, 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 you're faster than us. And they, you know, they're, they're starting to talk to me and everything. And maybe they're watching right now because I told the guy uh, that I well, watched the show because we talked a little bit about Bitcoin. But these guys were Hasidim. Um, they follow uh, Rab Rabbi Nachman of Breslev. So they're called Breslevers or Brez Breslov, whatever you call. And they gave me this book. It's called Tales of Ancient Times. I haven't read it yet. I'm using my uh, Venezuelan Boulevard, 20 Boulevards, as a bookmark. I think that's a good uh, good use of my uh, of my Boulevards, though. So they said this is a, this is a good book to read. Tales of Ancient Times by Rabbi Nachman of Breslev. And uh, Breslev is uh, in the Ukraine. That the, These Breslevers love to go there for some pilgrimage at Rosh Hashanah. Anyway, dudes, if you're watching the show, I hope you check out Bitcoin like I told you to do. I'll definitely uh, I'll read your book. Uh, you said it's it's a magical book or something. They didn't use the word magical, but mystical maybe, and that uh, I would change my life. And, uh, all right, there's, all, there's, little, there's stories in it, little stories that uh, Rabbi Nachman uh, wrote. To, to inspire the soul or something like that. So th there's a little beyond Bitcoin. Oh, wait, Tufrugi404 said, this is the first halving I've been through. What things do you feel are different in the space this time versus last, uh, last time it happened? 
and with things are the same. Oh my lord, dude. There were no people weren't talking about altcoins at all. There was there was virtually no altcoin talk back then. It was it was basically just Bitcoin. There were a lot of people that thought that there could be a the halving could happen and Bitcoin could go to zero. There could be a technical problem. Um, they, they were people basing people weren't exactly sure if Bitcoin would go up afterwards. They, they didn't really use the 2012 as a basis. Like now, more so people are using 2016 to kind of predict what's going to happen in 2020. That really wasn't happening in 2016. They weren't using 2012 to predict what was going to happen uh, in, 20, in, in 2016. Uh, obviously, we didn't have the virus thing happen last time. So there's been this huge distraction in the world, huge distraction that, that didn't happen last time. Uh, go move, Before the halving last time, there was a, a hack. Uh, I think it was the Bitfinex hack. And that played a really big role in people's uh, mentality. That That's a big difference. So there was a big Bitcoin event before the big Bitcoin event. This time around, before the big Bitcoin event, uh, we're, we're having a big worldwide event. And I, I would say now the overall aura of the hardcore Bitcoin people is, is much more confident, much. And, and had there not... Had there not been this ridiculous virus, there'd be a lot more celebrations. There'd be a lot more parties than last time. I mean, there was so much more planned this time, but we had this, <laughs> this panic happen. So th th there's some, some big differences. Uh, and this 2020 having, thanks to a lot of the guys, I mean, I've been talking about it since 2016. There was a lot more talk of it through the years beforehand. Not many people were talking about the Bitcoin halving in 2014, okay? But in 2018, people were talking about the Bitcoin halving. People were talking about the Bitcoin halving in 2019, in the space, in the space. So I think I think those are some major differences that, that uh, come off. Uh, there's uh, Back then, there were really people that thought it could still go to zero. We really, we don't have serious people that say things like that now. There's not like, there was having FUD last time. There really isn't having FUD, uh, this, there's, maybe there's a little bit here and there, so a little bit of death spiral stuff. There was much more death spiral FUD, mining death spiral stuff. So uh, there you go. That, that, that's my difference uh, to Froggy uh, 404. I hope you liked it. I hope everybody liked the show. Pound that like button. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Remember to subscribe to the channel, like this video, share this video. Check out the links below. I guess to check out Breslev. Uh, and yeah, I like Breslev Hasidim and uh, and and the uh, Chabad Hasidim. I'm down with those dudes. I'm they're, they're different. They're different, but uh, yeah, you can read about them yourself. Yourselves. All right, all right. Stop live stream.